Um, good evening. Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, from verses 13 to chapter 2, verse 3. First Peter 1, verse 13 to 2, verse 3. It reads, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the fatal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with the perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls, sorry, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, long Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. Let's try again. Hello, everyone. It's great to see you. It's great to see many of you coming back and some new faces as well. Uh, please do keep that passage open as we uh, look at it together. Um, 2022 started, I don't know if you've realized that, I hope you have, um, but the, the years got going. Um, as I know for some of you as students, it's very, very, very early times, um, the year hasn't really got going for you, but um, you know, the, the, the years lying ahead, there's, there's great potential, great things to look forward to. Um, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four passages to try and help us shape uh, what our priorities um, should be in the year ahead. It's, you know, as, as we've been thinking about it, there's, there could be so many more passages we could go to. We could take the whole year to just look at that theme. But we're just picking up on four passages to really think, well, what should our priorities, what should, what should shape the year ahead? Um, let's pray as we come to look at this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. Thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you've given us your spirit to work in us, to soften our hearts, to open our eyes so that we can hear what you're saying, understand what you're saying. 
Father, we pray that you will, you will speak to us today, that you'll shape and fashion us, make us more and more like the people you want us to be and expect us to be as your, your family in this world, your, your children longing for that eternal future when the Lord Jesus returns. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Over the Christmas holiday, um, I, uh, some of you might know, um, probably many of you don't, uh, one of my hobbies is woodwork. Um, and so one of the uh, projects I've had on my list for about two years now, I think maybe even a bit longer, was to make bunk beds for my four kids. Um, the cost of bunk beds in the shops really put me off buying bunk beds, so um, I was determined to make them. Um, and it's a big task, long, um, it was on the list for a long time because of that. But as, as we headed into the Christmas holidays, I decided this is it, I'm going to do it. So I went off and uh, bought the wood and, and got going at it. But before I, I went and got the wood, before I got going, I really spent a lot of time thinking uh, about it. I looked at pictures of bunk beds to get some inspiration for the design. I sort of tried to visualize in my mind you know, the strengths, the stresses. I don't want my kids falling, bunk beds falling apart with them on them. Um, I, I drew sketches, uh, I calculated measurements, I sort of decided what size wood to use. Uh, so really sort of, uh, and I visualized the whole process, thinking it through, so that I would be prepared when it came to it. One of the problems with Christmas holidays, everything shuts down. If I wasn't prepared with everything, uh, the, the, the project would stop halfway through. <clears throat> and and as, it, as it ended up, I had to change something halfway through and I could only finish it after the shops opened whenever it was the 6th of January or whatever. Fortunately, that shop opened earlier. Um, but this whole idea of sort of having to think about it, prepare your mind beforehand, is, is, is what Peter picks up in this, in this passage. Um, it, uh, whatever you're wanting to achieve in the year ahead, whatever 2022 is going to um, achieve for you, what, what you would define as success, you know, a large part of that is actually getting your mind right. Um, and uh, if 2020 is going to be a success, a good year for us as Christians, we need to make sure we start off by getting our minds right. If we don't get in the mental game, we're not going to uh, have any success on the ground. Um, have a look at what Peter says there in verse 13. Now, I'm going to read from the, the ESV. I'll explain why uh, a little bit later. But, um, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, Peter here is concerned with our minds, getting our minds ready, preparing your mind, being sober-minded, that's, that's, that's the mental game, getting your minds ready for action. But for what? What are we to get our minds ready for? Well, look at verse 13 again. Prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we are commanded here to prepare ourselves, prepare our minds, and set our hope on Jesus' return. Uh, the, the, 
what Peter's got in mind here is, is the return on Jesus, of Jesus. And he says we are to set our hope fully on that future glory. You know, it's a picture of the, of the marathon runner um, who, who sets his mind firmly on crossing that finishing line. Throughout the race, he keeps striving towards that end, not getting distracted by the things around him. As Christians, we are to set our hope on the sure and certain future of spending an eternity with God in his new creation. For the marathon runner, there's an element of uncertainty. Will he finish the race? Can he make it? Maybe he gets sick, maybe he gets injured, has to bail. But in the opening verses of of Peter's letter, he talks about the sure and certain, the inheritance that is kept for us, that will never perish, spoil, or fade, the inheritance that God is guarding, keeping for us in heaven, and he's guarding us to make sure we receive it. Unlike the, the marathon runner that has uncertainty, our future, the future glory, is absolutely certain. Now, for those of you with the, the NRV, um, for some reason, the NRV transla- translation drops a word, and the word fully. And I think it's a bit unfortunate that it does that, because I think what Peter's got in mind here is that we completely set our hope on this future, that we set all of our hope on this grace, on this gift that's been given us. It, it, it is literally throwing all our eggs into one basket. Now, m- most of us, I think we'll say we've at least got some hope uh, in the return of the Lord Jesus. We're looking forward to it a little bit. We, you know, we're hoping in the, in the greatness that will come with that. But there's many other things that's competing for our hope, that's, that's competing for our longing, that's competing for our desires. Maybe um, it's, it, it's your hope of doing well at university this year. Maybe it's your hope of, of getting... You know, those of you who have just started working, um, having success in the workplace and climbing the corporate ladder. Maybe it's the hope of a, of a future relationship. Maybe it's the hope of being mask-free and restriction-free in 2022. Now, all of us as Christians face temptations to, to live with one foot in this world, one foot in heaven, believing that heaven is com- coming, but longing for so much pleasures in this world that it it can start to cloud out the hope of the future. Uh, Peter wants us to set our hope fully on that future, completely longing for, desiring uh, what is coming when the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, As this world has faced the turmoil of the last two years, many people have felt that their foundations have been shaken. So much of the things that we've placed our hope in have been threatened. Our jobs, our security, our health, our comfort, our finances. Those things are temporary and fleeting. Those things are uncertain. The future hope, the return of the Lord Jesus, the eternal inheritance is sure and certain. We need to realize more and more of the greatness and the glory of that future. And as we realize more of the certainty of that, uh, we will long for it more. Our hope will more and more be set on that. Uh, As as we said at the beginning, setting our hope on this starts by getting the mental game right, getting our minds right, preparing our minds, being sober-minded. I want us to um, just spend a little bit of time thinking about those two things. 
Um, as I said, the, the, uh, the ESV translation, I think here makes things a little bit clearer. So I'm going to read from the ESV and then I'll make some comments why I think that. Uh, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This idea of preparing your minds for action, it's, it's a command. And it's a command in a, in a present continuous tense. Now, I, I'm no language expert. People studying languages can tell you a little bit more about that. But the, 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 the tense that it's in, present continuous, the NIV translation um, makes it sound like it's something that's already happened. When it says, with minds that are alert, it's more than that. It's a command and a continuous, ongoing thing, preparing your minds for action. As Christians, we are to be continuously preparing our minds. It's, a, it's an ongoing work. It's not something you can say, uh, you know, it's the 16th, I think it's the 16th day, it's the 16th of January, I've prepared my mind for the year I'm done. It's an ongoing thing. Now, the, the, um, the actual words used here in the original means to gird up the loins of your mind. Now, I think if they translated that, it wouldn't mean anything to us. But I think, helpfully, the translators have interpreted for us what it means. But the picture of girding up the loins of your mind is actually a really helpful one. Um, one we don't really get culturally, because um, we de- wear different clothes to what they did in the, in the first century. Uh, rather than jeans and T-shirt, or like many of you lucky people, shorts and uh, dresses, they wore long robes. Now, it's just a cultural difference, but I guess it was a little bit like a dressing gown, maybe a bit of a sort of more heavy dressing gown type thing. Now, one of the problems with it is if you need to get somewhere, if you need to run, it's quite restrictive. If you need to get in and work with your hands, you know, it can be a bit difficult. So there was this thing called girding up your loins, which basically meant taking the lower parts of the robe and tucking it into your belt. And then it would free your legs and you'd be able to work or run or get anywhere where you're going. It was the idea of preparing yourself for running or working or doing something. So that is the idea behind this, girding up the loins of your mind, preparing, training your minds for life in a world where you're a stranger and an exile. Uh, Life in a world where uh, your future inheritance, the new creation, is your true home. And we need to fix our minds on that day by day. Uh, Train our minds. uh, Gird up the loins of our minds. Prepare our minds. And we do that by constantly setting our hope on that future. Now, the, the, the second element of the mental preparation here is this idea of being sober-minded. Now, that's, that's not just saying, you know, don't get drunk. Um, but the idea of being sober-minded is being level-headed, clear thinking, seeing things right. It's having the right perspective. And biblically, that's in the context of having God's perspective on things, not merely a worldly perspective. It's deliberately thinking about our life in light of eternity, in light of God's overall plan, as seeing things from an eternal perspective rather than just thinking about the here and now. Every decision we make being shaped by who God is, 
what he's doing, his plan for this world, having that influence us, our, our decisions and our priorities. So someone might decide to give up a, a, a well-paid job so that they could spend their life teaching children about Jesus. Some people might de- decide to give, uh, give a lot of their money away, hard-earned money, to, to ministry, to see the gospel going to the end of the world. Maybe you'll decide to give up free time in order to spend time with uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you decide to risk uh, reputation or ridicule by telling people at the workplace or on campus about Jesus. In a worldly sense, many of these things can seem stupid. They can seem foolish. They can seem like a waste. But from God's perspective, from an eternal perspective, it makes perfect sense. It fits from God's perspective. We need to be sober-minded, clear-headed, thinking clearly, seeing things from God's perspective and with his, authority, with his priorities in mind. As Christians, we need to get our minds right. We need to set our hope on that future glory. Take our eyes off merely the here and now. Look to that sure and certain, guaranteed, eternal paradise. And as we do that, uh, the way we live in this world will be changed. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, these verses um, contain both a positive and a negative command. There's a do and a don't. The don't in verse 14 is, we are not to conform to the evil desires of this world. Jacob spoke a little bit about that before confession. And the do's in verse 15 and 16, we are to be holy like God is holy. We are God's children. We're his chosen ones, his special ones. We've been saved from the judgment that this world is facing because of of sin. We've been saved from the judgment that each one of us deserves. Therefore, we need to live differently. We need to live as we are, transformed lives. To to keep going on like the rest of the world, to keep being conformed to to the way we were when we lived in ignorance is incompatible with what God has made us. It's incompatible with what is held out for us in the future. We need to live distinct, different, set-apart lives as citizens of heaven not just go on as if we're just citizens of earth. And notice the wording in verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. How's that for a challenge? In everything, no exceptions. It's easy for us um, to think, oh, you know, we're being holy in some areas of life, we're doing fairly well. But then on other areas, we let things slide. So maybe 
Good on you guys coming to church as soon as the evening service starts, joining Bible study, reading your Bible each day. But what about, what about our hearts? How are our hearts doing? How are we dealing with the temptation of lust? Are we just letting it slide? How are we dealing with anger in our hearts? How's our love for one another? Are we being holy in all we do? Are we seeking to be holy in everything? Or are we just being lazy, letting things slide? As Christians, we are citizens of heaven. That's our true home. That's our identity. We must live as if we are holy in all we do. And verse 17 to 21 contains three reasons why we should live holy lives. Verse 17, we see that we must fear God because he will judge everyone and judge everyone impartially. There's no favoritism. There's no one getting off unjustly. Look at verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Now, this reverent fear, it's not a, not a terrifying fear like like you're worried you're, you're about to um, get sent to the, the principal's office and I know that corporal punishment is not allowed, but just imagine it still was. Um, it's not that terrifying fear, but it's a right fear, knowing God, knowing who he is, knowing that he will judge. In verse 18, we see that we've been saved from the empty way of life. Without God... Without salvation, life is empty. Life is meaningless, pointless, hopeless. We've been saved from that way of life. Therefore, we should live as we are, as God's chosen people. We should live holy. In verse 19, we see that the price that was paid for us was the very precious blood of Christ. Over Christmas, we've just celebrated the birth of the Lord Jesus, the greatest gift this world has ever received, and the greatest cost paid, his blood, that we can be forgiven, that we can be part of his family. The very precious blood's been given for us. Let's stop living just as if that hasn't happened. Stop living for this world, but be transformed, be holy as God is holy, remembering what price was paid for us. God has saved us from the empty way of life. We are no longer citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven, and we must live as we are. We must live holy lives as God is holy. Now, Peter fleshes out what it looks like to live holy lives. In verse 22, uh, there we see, so that you have sincere love for one another, Love one another deeply from the heart. Peter focuses here on how we are to relate to one another. Uh, And and then in 2 verse 1, he he goes to the opposite. Rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. See there? That's that's the opposite of deep love. It's both interesting and important to see here that Peter focuses primarily on relationships, how we relate to one another as God's chosen people, how we relate to one another as the body of Christ. 
And we could easily list a whole bunch of things that we could say are key marks of being Christian. Reading your Bible, praying, telling people about Jesus, all good things, all important things. But it's, it's easy for us to miss the importance of transformed relationships, and we mustn't. We mustn't miss that. As Christians, we've been brought to be part of a new family, and that changes everything. The people you're sitting with in this room are closer to you than your blood family because you're part of God's family. Do we love one another deeply from the heart? Will 2022 be a year where our relationships with one another stand out as being distinct, different from those in this world? How are we to prepare our minds for action? How are we to know what it is to live holy lives? What will help us prepare our minds for 2022? What will help us behave like citizens of heaven in this world? Well, Peter goes on to tell us what we should do. And it is the same way as we came to be saved that we are to continue to grow in our salvation. In verse 23, we see that uh, we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And in verse 2 of chapter 2, like newborn babies, we are to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it we'll grow up in our salvation. The way we are to continue as Christians is the same way that we started through God's word, through his living and enduring word, through his word that will never perish. Have a look at how God's word is described through here. In verse 23, it is the living and enduring word of God. God's word's alive. It is achieving its purpose. It is enduring. Nothing's going to stop it. Verse 24, All men are like grass. Their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Everything in this world is perishing. All of us are perishing. The reality is we're all just in a line waiting to get into the morgue. Sorry if that's a bit morbid. But that's, that's the reality of the world. Everything is perishing. Everything except God's living and enduring word. It will never perish. It will never fade away. It will never be stopped, no matter how much people try. It will never stop being useful and and, uh, achieving what God has purposed for it to achieve. God works in this world as his word goes out. And it is his power as the Spirit works in the lives and hearts of people to bring people to salvation and to grow them up in salvation. It shows us the truth of God. It shows us the truth about ourselves, helps us be sober-minded and get the right perspective of ourselves, of God, of our lives in this world. It plants a seed in us that endures to eternity, past death, Our hope 
and our behavior can be so influenced by the world around us. You know, whether it's popularity, whether it's success, whether it's money, um, all the uh, toys and joys that the world has to offer. But we are citizens of heaven. In this world, we're foreigners, we're exiles, we're temporary. Our citizenship in heaven, all the things of this world, good or bad, will perish. You can't take them with you to heaven. But what we have is far greater. We have the sure and certain hope of eternal glory with God in his absolute paradise. Uh, this world uh, tells us that all these other things are important and we should be striving for them, running after them. But this world's got it wrong. Compared to heaven, all these things are nothing. Verse 18 says that gold and silver will all perish. They are part of the empty way of life handed down by our forefathers. God chose us. God saved us from the empty ways of this world, and he did it by the precious blood of Christ. We are no longer children of this world. We're no longer citizens of this world, and we will stop living as if we are still part of this perishing world. We must listen to God's living and enduring word. Let that shape our hearts. Let that shape our hope. Verse 2 of chapter 2 says, Like newborn babies... We are to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation. There's very few sitting here who are parents. I think at a quick count I get four. But I'm sure all of you have heard a baby cry when it's really hungry. Um, that, that longing, that craving of food, of milk, and the baby is fed, peaceful, calm, usually, unless there's a bit of wind stuck, um, which happens. This is how we must be with God's word. We must crave it. It must be our food. It must be our spiritual milk, our sustenance. Without it, we should feel like the baby, starving, stomach pains, crying out, wanting it. All of us are in the danger of living, listening too much to the world and too little to God's word. We seldom read our Bibles. Uh, we skip church. We skip Bible study. But God's word can so easily drift into the back of our minds. Uh, but it is God's word that sustains us. It's God's word that grows us in our salvation. So we must Crave it, long for it. And there's many things we can do to help us crave God's word more. Firstly, pray, ask God to give you a desire for his word, a hunger for his word. Ask him to help you stop listening to the things that are competing in shaping your hopes and priorities. You may find that you have the desire to read God's word, but that so often it just doesn't fit into your day-to-day -day routine. I think this is probably a problem most of us have, at least from time to time. We have the desire, but we don't have the discipline to carry it out. Now, if, you, if, if that's you, there's, there's some things that you can do just to put a bit more structure in place 
to make sure you do it. If you've got the Bible app, you can set reminders. You can subscribe to one of the reading plans, and then it can make you feel guilty when you're falling behind. But there is a resync button, which then just resyncs it, which I've used many a time. Uh, set a time in the day where you can set time aside to spend time reading God's Word, meditating on it, thinking about it, and praying to Him. Make sure that for 2022, a church Bible study is a priority, because there you will feed on God's Word. And as we taste God's Word, as we feed on it, and we experience the goodness of it, we'll want it more and more. God's Word is living. It is enduring. It is pure spiritual milk. It is the way that God is working in this world. It's the way that God is growing us up in our salvation. God's word will set your hope on the future glory. God's word will help you to live a a sober-minded life. God's word will help you prepare your mind for action. 2022 started, we're two weeks in, just over two weeks. Let's make sure that through this year, we are setting our minds on that future, on that future hope that is coming. Let's immerse ourselves in God's word so that our minds are prepared, that we see things from a right perspective, and that we live rightly as God's children in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for that great future that each one of us who know you have to look forward to. Thank you that when the Lord Jesus comes back, he will take us to be part of your eternal kingdom, free from sin, free from the effects of sin, that we'll be with you, that we'll be freed from our own sin and, and wickedness. Father, we pray that you'll help us to live now in this world as citizens of heaven. Help us uh, to stop running after the things of this world, but to set our hope fully on that future. And Father, we pray that in the year ahead that your word will do a deep work in our hearts, that it will shape us, that it will mold us, that it will cause us to long more and more for you. And we pray this for your honor and glory. Amen. God has given us the Spirit. He is working in this world through His Spirit. As His Spirit takes His word,